This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dafran Johan. The results of the 2023 AMNO leadership elections are out. President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi and Deputy Chief Mohammad Hassan won their positions uncontested, while one Rosdi, one Ismail, Mohammad Khalid Nordin and Johari Abdul Ghani were elected as vice presidents, while Law Minister Azalina Otman Said did not make the cut. So joining me on the show today to discuss this is Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. Welcome to the show, Isan. How are you? I'm doing okay. These are very hectic days, both in politics and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, very hectic days indeed. Before we talk about the results of the AMNO party polls, I'd like to recap what happened before. And that is that President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi, he disallowed the contestation of the top two positions, as well as the sackings and suspensions of some of the more prominent AMNO leaders, such as Kairi Jamaluddin, Hishamuddin Hussein, and Ashar el Hamdan, No Omar, and many more. What did you make of this move by the party president before the elections? Well, those would be uh, what we would call a party uh, cleansing uh, because uh, some of these uh, leaders, they were, for example, uh, not seeing eye to eye with uh, the mainstream faction headed by uh, Zahid Hamidi. For example, uh, Kairi, uh, of course, would have uh, his own support base and uh, don't necessarily agree with uh, everything being decided by the uh, by Zahid and his uh, mainstream faction. And then on the other hand, there are those uh, who in AMNO who openly advocated for working with Parikatan Nasional instead of uh, Pakatan Harapan. So the, those were also either ex from the parties or have their membership so-called suspended. Yeah. Right. And so with all of that in mind, um, what are your overall thoughts on the results of the AMNO poll? Do you think President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi um, got what he wanted out of the results? Well, more or less, uh, because most of those uh, who are elected to uh, senior positions, including vice presidents, uh, including the uh, the so-called Supreme Council, uh, they were mostly, shall we say, members of the mainstream factions. Of course, some are more ardent members and others are just, uh, you know, attaching themselves to the mainstream factions. But uh, in any case, uh, it would appear that uh, he got more uh, more or less uh, what he wanted here. Right. And what does the results of the AMNO polls tell us about the supposed AMNO reform process? Because this is something that has always been discussed about. Um, since 2018, um, you have people in AMNO factions in AMNO calling for an overhaul of the old party of Malaysia um, and saying that they need to move forward. Um, so with this results and given that, you know, the top two positions were not contested, given the results of the, um, the, the party elections, what does it tell you about AMNO's reform process? Well, it is very tempting to say, of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, that there, there were all these uh, old faces being re-elected and so on. That uh, is uh, so-called same old, same old. 
but of course we uh, see very uh, much uh, ginger uh, gingerly uh, all these baby steps uh, towards uh, a little bit of reform shall we say for example i think uh, among the vice presidents been elected uh, is uh, johari uh, who is uh, widely seen as uh, more technocratic and in recent days he voiced out uh, on a lot of uh, especially social economic policy uh, issues and a lot of people thought uh, he, he he made a lot of uh, sense and then uh, in the Supreme Council, for example, you have those uh, from uh, from East Malaysia, from Sabah, for example, Raman Dalant, uh, who are, of course, uh, belonging to, shall we say, the newer generations of uh, UMNO leaders. So uh, hopefully they could give uh, at least some semblance of, uh, of uh, shall we say, gingerly baby steps towards uh, reform. Yeah. Definitely. But, you know, you brought up uh, Dr. Sheikh Johari Abdul Ghani and he won one of the vice president positions. What does this tell us about the factionalism in UMNO? Because, and, and also the reform, because while you said, yes, these are fresh faces um, and Dr. Johari Ghani has, uh, you know, been vocal about certain socioeconomic issues. So perhaps from that perspective, there is a shift. But some might argue that, you know, these are still, uh, you know, people that have been in UMNO for ages. Um, and people may also argue that, um, you know, at one point, um, some of these people who are talking about progressive socioeconomic policies, they also stood by Dato Sri Najib when he was still in power. They didn't speak out against him. So uh, can you, uh, what is your take on all of this? Well, sometimes uh, when you have, uh, shall we say, a grand old party such as uh, AMNO, it is uh, very difficult to uh, strike a very careful balance between, uh, shall we say, maintaining the party uh, status quo. Because, uh, well, whether we like it or not, it is imp important to maintain a party status quo because you have a lot of grassroots leaders who are, for example, very much uh, used to certain ways of doing things uh, uh, with uh, a lot of resources and, and, and so on. And if you reform too quickly, you might uh, alienate them and thereby your grassroots support may slip away. So this is on the one hand. On the other hand, of course, you need to appeal to the more reform-minded, the more progressive-minded of voters, and therefore you need, well, reform. Uh, but uh, it's really a very uh, careful and a very difficult balance uh, between the two. That's why you see Amno only making, shall we say, baby steps towards uh, these so-called reforms. Yeah, Right. And how is that balance right now? Because over the past, especially, let's say, from the period of 2020 to 2022, we talked um, very extensively about the court cluster versus the minister cluster. Of course, there is a complete um, reshaping of that right now. We got some people like from the, the, the that minister cluster from those those years. You got the likes of KJ, who's no longer an UMNO member. You got Ismail Sabri, who didn't even contest. Um, so, and you got um, Hishamuddin Hussein, who has been um, essentially suspended from the party. So, um, would you say that right now UMNO is one unit um, under the stewardship of um, Ahmad Zaid Hamidi or are there still battles within UMNO? Are there still factions and who's on whose side? 
Well, I think number one, uh, after the recent purges uh, about a month ago, uh, you would see that uh, more or less most of Amno's uh, rank and file would call allies uh, around uh, this mainstream faction led by Zahid uh, Hamidi. But of course, uh, there are those, as I said, within that faction who may, may be just, uh, shall we say, clinging to the faction because they would like to get further up in the party, but they might have certain uh, different and perhaps more reform-minded uh, uh, attitudes. Uh, I think that that's uh, one thing. But uh, I think we have to look at uh, the bigger political picture in the country. Whereas uh, before the November election, general election last year, we were talking about, shall we say, the old guards uh, as represented by AMNO versus uh, the more reform-minded voters uh, as represented by Pakatan Harapan. The general election changed everything. The political landscape of the country is now such that, uh, well, these old guards, namely AMNO, and uh, reformers, namely the Pakatan Harapans, uh, they work together right. against uh, this onslaught of the so-called green wave, right? So, if anything, to, uh, which, which, which is going to uh, revive Amno, I don't think it's uh, any more of this, uh, shall we say, the court cluster versus the cabinet or minister cluster and so on. I mean, it's no longer their struggle who is going to revive Amno or, and by extension this government. It's rather shall we say, the mainstream cluster versus, uh, to put it very loosely, the green cluster or the religious cluster. It's, it's nowadays, uh, this um, uh, bifurcation is really no longer between the reform-minded and the ogats, but it's between, uh, shall we say, this uh, unity government, this unity cluster versus the green uh, cluster. So, and that, I think, at some point would uh, fester it itself within AMNO as well. On the show with me today is Dr. O. E. Sun, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. After the break, we continue discussing the results of the AMNO leadership polls. Keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashan Johan, and on the show with me today is Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. And we're talking about the AMNO leadership polls, um, the results that just came out. So, E. San, let's talk a little bit more about the dynamics of the current uh, political uh, composition, especially in government. I'm wondering, what does the result of the AMNO polls tell us about the stability of the current coalition slash unity government? As we know, after G15, like you brought up, um, as both Anwar and um, Tantri Muhyiddin Yassin were trying to shore up numbers to form the government, um, some members of AMNO reportedly signed SDs to support Tantri Muhyiddin Yassin as the Prime Minister. Of course, um, that plan was thwarted by AMNO President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi. After this latest um, internal uh, party elections, from your reading, is the current uh, unity coalition government more stable than, than they were before? Well, I would say uh, the current unity government uh, with or without this uh, AMNO uh, party election would be, uh, shall we say, more or less uh, stable right. until uh, the upcoming uh, series of uh, state elections. So it would have... Uh, 
um, suitably stable uh, status, uh, shall we say, for the next few months. But after these uh, state elections, we don't know. It depends on the results of the state uh, elections. Yeah. For those who may not understand, Isan, um, why is the state elections um, an indicative of how or an indication of how stable the um, government at, is at the federal level? Because um, the GE15, where we voted for MPs and those MPs um, decide who the prime minister is going to be and, and the prime minister has chosen the cabinet, that elections is done. This will be a for Aduns at the state level. So why is that an indication of the stability of the current federal government? Well, uh, this country uh, has long adopted the Westminster uh, parliamentary democracy model of uh, government uh, after the British, namely the prime minister of the day would uh, remain prime minister if he enjoys uh, the support of uh, the majority of the lower house of, uh, of parliament, right? So at the moment, of course, uh, there are supposedly more than two-thirds of uh, members of parliaments who uh, support Datu Sri uh, Anwar Ibrahim. Mm. In the upcoming uh, state elections in six states, three of those states, namely Kelantan, Kedah and Tranganu, they are very likely to go to the other side, namely Parikatan uh, National. Right. So, uh, and, and Penang is likely to remain, uh, shall we say, Pakatan Harapan. So the main battlegrounds for these state elections would be, uh, let's say, Negeri Sembilan and uh, Selangor, and especially Selangor. If uh, Selangor, which commands one quarter of the Malaysian GDP, uh, shall we say, falls to the other side, namely uh, Perikatan National uh, wins uh, the, the, the state uh, government of Selangor, then, uh, well, legitimately uh, and democratically, you would see that, uh, well, there is, uh, or, or there is actually a lot of Malaysian voters who would like Perikatan National to, uh, at some point, uh, become the, 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 uh, the new government and so on. So, let's say you are a member, you are a member of parliament in the unity government now, whether from AMNO or from PKR and so on, you look at this supposedly democratic trend of more and more voters voting for the other side, you need to make very careful political decision for yourself. Do you still want to remain with the unity government or would you also uh, like to be a part of the other side? Because that seems to be, uh, the shall we say, the political wind uh, blowing that way. And, uh, well... Just as you could declare your support for Datu Sri Anwar Ibrahim as uh, Prime Minister, you could also withdraw your support. Right. You could announce that you are supporting, let's say, Muhyiddin Yassin or Hadi Awang as Prime Minister. Some may say, well, there's the anti-hopping law. But anti-hopping law applies itself only when you uh, switch your party affiliation what if, for example, you remain AMNO MP, but you no longer support uh, Anwar, but you support Hadi? Uh, there's no law stopping you from uh, doing so. So, and that could happen because the political wind will be blowing the other way, and uh, shall we say, individual and groups of MPs could change their mind in terms of whom they support. Yeah, right. And so, to get a better understanding of 
what UMNO members are feeling. Um, I, I'm wondering what you make of um, Ahmad Zaid Hamidi's recent statement after the uh, party elections where he said, and I quote, the outcome of UMNO leadership polls show the party grassroots have given a clear signal that they fully support the current unity government, end quote. I'm wondering if you agree with this statement, um, especially since, like you uh, mentioned earlier, there is still some factionalism in UMNO. The factionalism, factionalism has evolved um, to be sort of a, uh, you know, a more progressive side, maybe a, those that are slightly more reform-minded, plus those that are perhaps in, in favour of uh, President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi versus those that are perhaps more religious-minded and in favour of Perikata National. So with that in mind, what do you make of uh, the party president's statement? Well, I actually largely agree with Ahmad Zahid Hamidi in terms of saying Amno's grassroots may be very supportive of the unity government as shown in the party election. But, uh, well, that number one, that is now. Uh, the political situation is changing so rapidly, we really don't know what happens, uh, let's say, half a year from now. And number two, uh, he is talking about Amnos grassroots, but we are talking about uh, the voters at large. The voters at large is beyond Amno, and right. they might have a different mind. They may or they may not uh, support Amno. Now, the other thing is... Uh, of course, as you mentioned, the, there are various factions in Amno still. Uh, but but uh, shall we say, those who are more reform-minded, uh, I mean, sometimes um, they, they are biased uh, in terms of our perceptions. Namely, we, we, we thought it's always this old guts versus the reform-minded. But uh, sometimes it's also the old guts versus, uh, shall we say, the more religious-minded. So right. the old guts is actually... Uh, in, in, in that kind of scenario, the old gods are actually quite moderate in terms of situating themselves between the more progressive or reform-minded right. on the one hand and the more conservative or religious-minded uh, on the other hand. And um, sometimes, uh, whether we like it or not, you may need the old god uh, to strike the balance because let's say, Let's say Amno now is in the hands of the reformers, right? As the reformers go about their reforming of Amno, number one, as I mentioned, the grassroots uh, may or may not support that. And number two, the, the wider voter base uh, may not support that because I think it is, it is quite clear now we, 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 we see that the wider voter, voter base, uh, they are more supportive of the conservative or more religious side of uh, of issues and matters. So yeah, so so even if uh, we see the more reform minded uh, who are in charge of Amno, Amno itself may not derive uh, more support from the voters at large, and right. therein lies the dilemma. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking about progressive or progressive politicians, um, Azalina mm -hmm. Othman Said was vying for the position of vice president in Amno, but failed in her bid to do so. Do you get a sense of why this is the case? Especially since many from both sides of the political aisle 
consider her to be a relatively progressive and hardworking MP and minister when we just um, sort of um, think about what politicians or MPs um, talk about at large. She seems to have a good relationship across the aisle, able to work in bi bipartisanship manner. Um, she seems relatively popular among the general voter base. So why um, is she, uh, did she not, uh, why wasn't she able to uh, become the vice president in Amno? Well, in most political parties, whether in government or in opposition, typically uh, party elections would have their, shall we say, party internal uh, dynamics, uh, mm -hmm. which are somewhat detached from the, shall we say, the general political uh, uh, climate. Uh, right. uh, Kylie Jamaruddin, for example, he, he, he was very, or he is still very popular among uh, the general public. But of course, within AMNO, I think he has his difficulties. Uh, so I'm sure Azalina, it's of course extremely popular among the general public, seen as hardworking and so on. But sometimes, let's say within AMNO or within PKR, even MC or DAP, well, sometimes you need to work very hard in terms of, uh, let's say, going to uh, most of the divisional meetings, shaking as many hands as you could and saying <laughs> hi to everybody and so on. So sometimes, uh, well, because you are working hard at the, you know, as a minister, trying to do good things for the countries, you may not have time to, to do that and thereby right. you might lose your, your party elections. So, so there are a lot of dynamics uh, going on in, in the party elections, which sometimes we don't see from the outside. Yeah, Absolutely. I think you broke it down really well there. Now, um, Isan, there appears to be hardly any women elected in top uh, leadership positions within AMNO. Um, why is this a case? And I'm wondering, you know, not just uh, from within AMNO, when we look at the political spectrum as a whole, there seems to be not many women um, in many uh, political parties in top leadership positions. Um, what, why is this the case? Well, uh, we saw in some parties, uh, for example, in MCA, there were the uh, there were Nicole Wong who were the youth chiefs and, and right. so on. So some progress uh, uh, has been made, but of course, I think we are still a far cry away from <laughs> uh, this standard of thirty percent at least of uh, uh, women or female uh, leaders and, and so on. Um, well. Um, I, I would not ascribe it to, uh, you know, to, uh, they still entrench uh, uh, sexism and, and so on, even though that is still uh, ongoing. Uh, I, I would just say to say that uh, in this country, I think the culture is, is still such that, uh, you know, people are looking for the more familiar faces uh, and, and so on. Yes. Right. So, with all of that in mind, I would like to now pivot to talk a little bit about dynamics in between the unity government as we head towards the state polls. Now, Muda Secretary General Amir Abdul Hadi, he came out and said, and I quote the party, and he talking about Muda, was not invited to the unity government secretariat second meeting, end quote. Now, the meeting was held yesterday at the AMNO General, uh, at the AMNO headquarters, and it was attended by the likes of AMNO, PKR, DAP, GPP, and MCA. What do you make of this, especially since um, prior to the GE15, Muda was part of Pakatan Harapan, they campaigned together, they, they, they negotiated seats together and, and so on and so forth. But now it seems like uh, a, lot, a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to meetings and all, um, it involves AMNO, PKR, DAP, GPS, MCA and, and so on and so forth, but Muda is not quite involved. 
Well, I think um, the the uh, number one uh, this uh, antagonism between uh, shall we say Muda and primarily PKR mm. because uh, for example uh, Muda has been uh, vying mostly for those seats uh, which were held or which were contested by uh, PKR they they would like to have their candidates instead of PKR candidates and that of course uh, created uh, sort of antagonism right just as uh, between Warisan and DAP, when Warisan came to uh, West Malaysia, uh, they were aiming for mostly the DAP seats, right? right? So DAP was, of course, not thrilled. And and now that the Unity uh, Government Secretariat, I would imagine, is mostly helmed or, or mainly helmed by uh, PKR because it's Anwar, uh, sorry, Anwar's party. Therefore, uh, I'm not surprised that uh, Muda is sort of uh, marginalized or uh, sidelined. Yeah. You think that Muda will um, lose their bargaining power or perhaps have already lost it when it comes to the ranks of Pakatan Harapan and the unity government at large? Um, because, um, you know, the, the political parties, the ties have changed since G15. I'm wondering how much of bargaining power do you think Muda will have, given that the Unity Coalition government seems to be heading into the state polls as a block, and Amno has more seats than Muda in that block. I would imagine so, because uh, if you look at Muda's performance in the last general election, except uh, for his uh, rather charismatic uh, president, there was not a single other seat being won, right? Either. Right. The state or the federal uh, level, so uh, so yeah. In that case, they would not have a lot of uh, bargaining power. Again, I would like to say uh, the same thing applies to uh, Warisan because right. they want only like three seats. Uh, therefore, uh, they also don't have a lot of uh, bargaining powers. They don't even have a full minister in the uh, cabinet. So yeah, sometimes uh, seats uh, do matter when it comes to uh, like you know sitting down at the table of negotiation. Yeah, right. And before we wrap this conversation up, I just have uh, one more questions, uh, question. Um, again, we are heading towards the state poll. We are perhaps a few months away um, only from it. Um, my mace, Most experts say it'll be, uh, state polls will be around June or July. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on Tun Dr. Mahade and his latest political adventures? Um, he recently became the uh, you know, chief of Putra and is reportedly set to join or at least wants to join Perikata National. Um, what do you think of um, all of this? Well, uh, Dr. Mahathir is uh, treading a very thin line, uh, namely, the, you see, uh, a majority of voters, it would appear, are now going for, shall we say, the more conservative or more religious end of uh, the spectrum. Dr. Mahathir, I think, is trying to counter it in his own very special way, namely to emphasize uh, racial consciousness as opposed to, uh, shall we say, religious awakening. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think... Um, uh, I, I, I don't know where, to what extent that would uh, succeed uh, because I think uh, a large number of voters are quite single-minded about uh, the country, uh, 
going to the more conservative, more religious end of the spectrum. And uh, I, I, I think this uh, general election, for uh, sorry, this series of state elections would test out whether, for example, Dr. Mahathir is a very peculiar way of substituting race for religion, whether that would uh, succeed. Yeah. And on that note, Isan, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. That was Dr. O. Isan, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.